Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophia Alexandra. And we're taking you on a mind trip. That's right, baby. Second episode. Ow! We are going deeper, honey. That is what's happening. It's the next wave. Are you ready for this? Oh, I've been ready. (laughs) And... This is really exciting, but we have a friend on the show today. So we are just going to call this man Alex and just leave it at that because as we have discussed in the last episode, psychedelics, not entirely legal in the United States. And you just don't know who's going to judge you in a family or employment way for something like this in addition to the legal factor. So we just want to be sensitive. Totally. But I'm so glad that he agreed to share his story because I feel like it's kind of the perfect initiation into ayahuasca ceremonies. Yeah, the reason I really loved his interview is because uh, one of the things you'll hear him say is that it takes a while for all of the information that you acquire during the trip to kind of process. Mm -hmm. So we're getting the view of someone that's had like four months to process their trip in addition to we'll hear from Cokes who just just did it so it's just kind of a really nice I think bookend situation yeah and you can hear a little bit because the integration you know the experience is like its own kind of unique mind-blowing thing but then the real work comes afterwards when you try to integrate what you've learned back into your life and that's sometimes where the real resistance comes up, right? Even if you have a great trip, then afterwards you're like, oh shit, I have a lot of work to do on myself. (laughs) So kind of cool to hear how he's tackled some of that. Yeah, it also makes me think of the fact that it's all like that. We are, especially I think Americans are really like, okay, but which pill do I take to feel like Uh 100%? Or how do I get, you know, ripped in one minute? And it's like- None of those things are achievable in a way that is actually healthy. It's just like when you go to therapy and they say, the work that you're doing isn't in therapy. It's the work that you do after therapy. So when they give you homework and all of that stuff, or when they're like, read this or try to do this the next time this, it rises. And if you don't do any of that stuff, it does not matter that you went to therapy. Yeah, that's like a big thing that, keeps coming up in my conversations that I have around ayahuasca. And actually someone at my ceremony was like, yeah, you know, it is a quote unquote fast track for a lot of people, but 
you know, you have to meet the medicine halfway. And I keep hearing that from everyone. It was so funny. The shaman was like, as the ceremony was winding down early Sunday morning, he was like, you know, right now you're like, yeah, I want to email my ex-wife and be like, you know, I totally get it, dude. <laughs> like, we're the same. We're on the same level. Like, I love you forever. It doesn't matter if we're together. He's like, you know, but then you got to do it before the window closes. You know, you got to do it while you're still like in the vibe. Otherwise, if you don't do it by Tuesday, Thursday's going to roll around and you're going to be like, I'm not texting my ex. I You're like, yeah, fuck bitch. her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she screwed me so hard. <laughs> and I think Alex really touches on that when he says what the medicine does is open up mm -hmm. your like ability to love and feel gratitude. Yes. And that the medicine is love. But if you don't act on those feelings, totally, you know, it's as if you didn't have the shift. So I think... It's really interesting. It's like when, you know, as writers, Courtney, I think, uh, and as comedians, I think like we have the same thing where if you get a really good idea or you get mm -hmm. like an inspiration, like kind of like wind where you're like, okay, I can sit down and just be in a tunnel for hours on this. You just do it. You just cancel the other stuff because you're like, I'm not in charge of that. Every other day I'll sit down and make myself do it regardless. But when it does strike, you gotta like mm -hmm. capitalize on it. Yeah, I totally feel that. It's a momentum thing, right? It's like when the momentum is with you, keep it rolling. And exactly. after you do ayahuasca, you're kind of primed to love and be patient and be grateful, depending on how your experience went. But, you know, that's the upside, hopefully. Hopefully that's what happens for you. And then you have to lean into it. Definitely. And I think it's the momentum thing, I think, is really important because I think it just points to like the way that we are as people in terms of inertia, you know? An object at rest will remain at rest. An yes. object in motion, you know, it's easier. So once you've gotten started on something good or you have felt like the push to do something different for yourself, you've got to like seize it because who knows how you're going to feel in a minute, in an hour, in a day. I feel like most life hacks are just being honest with yourself about being like, hey, I'm super flawed. So how can we, <laughs> as a super flawed person, how can we make this work? <laughs> and I think, I mean, not to be cheesy, but I think all the life hacks also end up coming back too. You know, it's not a hack. Yeah. There's no hack. Take exactly. really good care of yourself and the people around you. Make the world and your family and everything, the world in the smallest way, in the biggest way, a better place. And that'll give you the kind of life that you want. Exactly. Two of the things that I thought coming out of my ceremony were, or towards the end of it, were just like, I'm a gardener and I'm a student. And I feel like if you are a caretaker in life and you are taking care of the things that you're talking about, self, like your family and your health and your mind, like, yeah, you're going to be in a much better place. You'll just be able to give more and there mm -hmm. won't be so much of a, a wall between you and other people or other, and I don't mean wall in a bad way. I guess I just mean like border. I just mean when we are conscious of how thin and non-existent and translucent those borders are between us and other people, we act better. Yes, 
I'm sorry, my dog just threw up. It's <laughs> oh, very no. poignant end to your speech. <laughs> she felt that so hard. She puked. I get she it. She went in the corner and she was like, okay, I got to let this out. <laughs> She's like, this is too much truth for me. I'm going to be sick. Honestly, a mid-ceremony and I just had to hurl. Exactly. She's like, Loki, I've been taking dog ayahuasca. <laughs> You might have heard of it. It's called Dagawaska. <laughs> I'm so oh, sorry. I'm fired. <laughs> I know. I'm going to go comfort her in a minute, but let's finish. Yeah. <laughs> You're on your own, bitch. That's life. Okay. So before we dive in, I want to be uh, responsible and respectful to the ancestors And I think we should talk a little bit about what ayahuasca is and the tradition that it comes from. I love that because it's very easy to come in and be like, so, oh, we whites have come up with this. (laughs) (laughs) You might have heard of it. It's jazz. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody knows we made jazz. (laughs) You guys, you're going to flip when I tell you about this. You guys ever heard of a burrito? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so we invented this. <laughs> we got it from here, guys. Thank you. Yes, and yoga. <laughs> All the good stuff, like industrialization and we're horrible. Okay. I don't know who did that. That wasn't us. <laughs> <laughs> Climate change, we got you. <laughs> Slavery, uh, I don't know. Who was it? <laughs> uh, just to, to be clear, we're embarrassed. Uh, our cheeks are red. We're not proud of these white traditions, but the tradition of ayahuasca is truly beautiful. So ayahuasca is from South America. It is from the Amazon. Dozens of Amazonian cultures in Peru, Bolivia, Colombia, Venezuela, especially indigenous peoples have used ayahuasca for centuries, maybe even millennia. There is a great article on JSTOR Daily. It's called The Colonization of the Ayahuasca Experience. And I recommend checking out that article. Another really good resource is the article by Luis Eduardo Luna in Cultural Survival Quarterly Magazine. It's called Ayahuasca Shamanism Shared Across Cultures. Some indigenous groups that maintain the ritual use of um, ayahuasca are the Shuar of Ecuador, the Shipibo of Peru, Mm -hmm. and various Tucano groups in Colombia. Yeah, you'll hear about the Shipibo people a lot, at least I have so far in my journey, my ayahuasca journey. So not all of these cultures brew ayahuasca in the same way. They don't all have exactly the same ceremonies surrounding it, but there are a lot of similarities. So ayahuasca, which sometimes people refer to as the vine or the tea, is a brew made from the leaves of a Psychoterra verdis shrub. I might have to put the pronunciation in there. (laughs) Psychotria boridis. All right, not even close. So we are going to hand this over to someone who could explain it way better than we ever could. This is Graham Hancock from what is apparently his band TED Talk, the war on consciousness and we'll have to dive a little bit deeper into how this got banned on a future episode 
So to investigate this, this possibility, when I got interested in this mystery, I went down to the Amazon, where there are still surviving shamanistic cultures today, and where they drink the powerful visionary brew ayahuasca, of which the active ingredient is dimethyltryptamine, DMT, which is actually closely related at the molecular level uh, to psilocybin. Now, normally, DMT uh, cannot be activated orally. When we encounter it in the West, it's generally smoked. There's an enzyme in our stomachs called monoamine oxidase, which switches off uh, DMT uh, on, on contact. Uh, but in the Amazon, they've got round this problem, and they say it was the spirits that taught them how to do it. The DMT in the ayahuasca brew is contained in these leaves from a plant that they call chacruna uh, in the Amazon. And there they mix it together with this vine, and out of the 150,000 different species of plants and trees in the Amazon, this is the one that contains a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, which switches off that enzyme in our stomachs and allows the DMT in the leaves when the two are married together and cooked in water to be absorbed orally and takes us on a, a four-hour uh, journey into extraordinary realms. Both of the main ingredients of ayahuasca, both the vine and the shrub, both have uh, hallucinogenic properties. So that's a little bit of how it, it works, but basically the two plants combined together form a super powerful psychedelic brew and it affects the central nervous system and that leads to an altered state of consciousness and that can include hallucinations, out-of-body experiences, and euphoria. If you want a really clear kind of outline, you can check out the Healthline article, What is Ayahuasca? Experience, Benefits, and Side Effects. So traditionally, there's a shaman, an experienced healer, who leads these ceremonies. So some potential benefits of ayahuasca. A lot of people who have taken ayahuasca claim that the experience has led to positive, long-term, even life-altering changes. And they don't know exactly why. Maybe because of the effects ayahuasca has on the neurological system or the changes that it makes in your brain. And, you know, we talked in the last episode about how ayahuasca is not for everybody and psychedelics in general are not for everybody. And a group that should exercise extreme precaution are people that are on psychiatric medications. But if people wean themselves off of those medications, obviously under the care of a physician, and then have the experience, sometimes they don't need to go back on those drugs which I think is kind of incredible. Yeah, that's amazing that you can just reset your brain like that. Gotta say, pretty tempting. <laughs> in due time, we'll get there, so. <laughs> We're trying. So in my research, I found this site called globalayahuascaproject.org, and it's the home of the Global Ayahuasca Project. And it was started at the University of Melbourne and it was an international team of researchers. And they aimed to increase understanding of the effects of drinking ayahuasca in different contexts around the world. So the initial results from the Global Ayahuasca Project survey are staggering. About 85% of people who take ayahuasca go on to make a profound life change. Yo, I love that statistic. 
I mean, I believe it because one of the first things that we knew about psilocybin when Tim Leary was doing his experiments was that it was really effective against recidivism for people that have committed a crime. So it is very powerful in resetting your everything. Like, consider how high recidivism rates are, obviously, from the prism system because it's bullshit. But think about the power, if it can transform this high percentage of people, or at least give them the ability to, mm -hmm. the opportunity there is staggering. Yeah, I can't wait to dive into more statistics because there's like a lot of really interesting research about it. But I feel like that needs to be its own whole episode. Yeah, I agree because I think it's the first part of this experience is experiential and emotional mm -hmm. and spiritual. Mm -hmm. And that's the part we're trying to understand. And then the other part of it is the actual the science, science <laughs> that is really, really amazing. And again, just want to give a little disclaimer as we gave in our last episode. And we highly recommend you listen to this series in order. We've been really intentional about ordering these episodes to give you the information kind of in the order that we think is most digestible. And we don't want you skipping around because then you'll miss some of the stuff. So if you haven't heard the last episode, press pause, go back, listen to that, and then we'll catch up with you here. And our other disclaimer is, hey, we're not scientists. I know this is a huge shock to everyone. Not doctors. I'm a dipshit that <laughs> literally talks about cum dripping out of me on stage. If you take my medical advice. We're sick. Don't listen to us. You literally need to reevaluate your whole ass life. Here's what we are. We are curious people. We are journalists. We are comedians. We are seekers. And we like to try to understand things, especially things that have been kind of on the outskirts of society because sometimes they don't deserve to be. Yeah. And also we're creative people. And I think just inspired by all the ways that creativity can also be unlocked through mm. um, psychedelics. I think that's so much of being an artist is just getting out of your own way yes. to create. Huge potential upside. But as we've mentioned, there are downsides as well. So we just encourage you to exercise a lot of caution as you proceed on your own psychedelic journey if you choose to make sure you do a ton of your own research what we say is not gospel it is for harm reduction purposes it is to entertain it is to inform but we are not doctors we are not lawyers i've actually started a practice we are dumbasses <laughs> sophie and barnes injury attorneys whole 58888 <laughs> sophia She's about to get disbarred. <laughs> Never barred. <laughs> uh, all right. We have an awesome episode for you today. We are going to take our first cup of ayahuasca brew. Are you ready, Sophia? Let's rock. Let's trip out, man. Here we go. Now introducing our friend, Alex. Cokes, I'm so excited. 
I'm leaving on my trip tomorrow and I'm excited double because I get to take my new Quip toothbrush. Ooh, love it. Good health starts with good habits. Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials you need to care for your mouth. And it is also amazing for travel, which is why I am psyched to take my Quip on my trip tomorrow. Oh, hell yeah. It's so good for travel. The Quip electric toothbrush is loved by over 7 million mouths. And it has timed sonic vibrations with 30 second pulses to guide a dentist recommended two minute clean. And I also love, love, love how lightweight and sleek it is. And there's no wires, like you don't need to plug it in like my old electric toothbrush. There's no charger to bring with you when you travel. Basically, it's sleek and it comes in a little tube that you can twist closed and doesn't leak anywhere. It's incredible. Honestly, you could masturbate with it. That's (laughs) off-label use. (laughs) And Quip's not a one-trick pony, no. In addition to brush heads, they also deliver fresh floss, toothpaste, mouthwash, and gum refills every three months from $5. Shipping is free, so you can save money and skip the hustle and bustle of in-store shopping. With stylish and affordable electric brushes starting at just 25 bucks, you won't be paying through the teeth for better oral health. Quip is such a good deal. If you go to getquip.com slash private right now, you get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash private. Spell G-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash private. Quip, the good habits company. So let's start at the beginning. Okay, pre-ayahuasca, what were your thoughts Mm -hmm. about it? Like, was it something you were scared of or was it something that you'd always wanted to try or? So I hadn't really heard about it until recently. It wasn't on my radar. It was not something that I had been contemplating and just waiting for the right time. It like literally was not on my radar. And I think the best way to explain how I got into it was through TM, which is Transcendental Meditation. And that had been on my calendar for months and months and months, probably years. Like every month I'd write it again. It's time to sign up, it's time to do it. And I put it on and ignore it. And finally during COVID, I sort of hit the breaking point and knew knew that I had to do it. And at some point along in that process, I became aware that ayahuasca was a thing. And uh, a friend of mine introduced me to it. She had just uh, done it and had a great experience and raved about it. And so I heard about it through through her, but it wasn't on my radar besides that. And then after TM, so after I started meditating regularly, I just couldn't uh, get it out of my head. And they say that it calls you. That's what I've been told, that it calls you. I have too. Yeah, at the right time. Yeah, so there's definitely that feeling, like if anyone's out there like thinking, I don't know what this is, I don't know if this is right for me, it'll let you know. Yeah, it tells you. That's so funny that you say that because so I was just at True North doing this fasting, mm-hmm. week-long fasting thing. And the masseuse that I was able to see at the very end, mm-hmm. we were talking, chatting the whole time. And she was like, Mother Aya or whatever, <laughs> like calls to you when it's your time. And I definitely felt that this time. Like I heard about it and I was intrigued, but just 
you know, there seemed like there were barriers. Like I would have to fucking go to Costa Rica or some shit. Mm -hmm. And then after you told me about it, I was, I could not get it out of my head also. (laughs) I was like, oh. And then after the fast, like with the fasting and everything, it kind of like solidified it. So (laughs) some of those barriers do seem insurmountable in terms of like, Everyone I knew who had done it had done it in Peru or the Mm -hmm. Amazon somewhere, and they did much more immersive experiences than I did. So I did a two-day over a weekend, and they actually went there, and it was a full immersive seven-day hike out to the jungle, you know, totally different experience. So I can't speak about that, but the same people that did that recommended this to me here, and it was local, and it's something I tried to sign up for at the very start of COVID, and then like month one in, they're like, nope, everything's canceled. And that was probably the right the right thing because at the time I was very nervous about it. Mm-hmm. And that was probably nature saying, not right time, not the right time. And so when it came up again, when they started the ceremony up again, I knew it was the right time. And so I jumped on that immediately as a schedule allowed. And uh, it turned out to be fantastic. But now you're like three months out or four months out or whatever. So I want to talk about like post what Mm. has stayed with you. You brought up a really good point in that the experience post medicine isn't immediate. And it really takes a while to process all that information. You get a huge, they call it, some people call it a download. You get a huge download of information Mm. and it takes a while to process all of that information. So now it's been, yeah, roughly four months and I'm just starting to understand it and take it in. But I do notice a lot of positives and we can get into that later. But it's not immediate. I did feel great after the first day, but we can get into like all the specifics leading up to it. Oh, yeah. OK, so so rewind. We'll try to go in order, but it's going to be hard. I'm mm-hmm. excited. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> you know, once you had it in your head and you couldn't get out of, out of your mind, like starting with your meditation friend, how much research did you do beforehand? And if you did do research, was it books, podcasts, talking to people? How did you prepare? I did a lot of research. Uh, I was pretty nervous about it because I'm not that's not like my world. I'm not a very druggy person. And so I really had no context. And so I did a lot of research. I think it started with podcasts, um, started with friends, word of mouth from friends. And then I went into podcasts, you know, and there's like Rogan talks about it all the time. And uh, I started listening to a lot of uh, Terrence McKenna talk about his mushroom experiences mm-hmm. a lot. And so I just went down this deep rabbit hole about the psychedelic experience and how they all differ and what's safe and what's not. And um I did enough research to the point where I was comfortable. And then they also give you, they give you a sheet, you know, telling you what to do. And I talked to a lot of people who had done it, who were experienced with it, who had done it, you know, like 10 times. So they knew uh, what to tell me. And the biggest advice was fasting going in. Like they recommend at least two days, but my friends who had much better experiences fasted for at least seven days, if not more. Like completely? It starts as a at like you get rid of coffee, no caffeine, uh, no sugar, no salt, no hot sauce, no vinegar, no sex, oh my God. no anything fun, all the fun stuff. Yeah, just like have a miserable week uh, at least just to prepare yourself mentally because it's, you're not going on a this isn't a retreat uh, in the sense that uh, it's recreational. You treat it like you treat it with, uh, you know, sincerity and realize what it can do for you. You're not going to just like, let's get fucked up this weekend, you know, then it wouldn't matter. But like, you're trying to sort of cleanse your body pre-ceremony so that 
you can allow in whatever you're allowing in. And that's a whole different topic. And I don't know what that is, but um, it certainly seems to have an effect. The more you cleanse beforehand, the cleaner and better the experience will be and the, the stronger the connection. So what specific, like how, to what extent did you follow that advice pre-ceremony? So I fasted for three days before, and that was just water and like some fruit juice sometimes or a piece of fruit. Uh, and then the three days prior to that, I was only eating, like I cut out meat two weeks before that. Um, and I was only eating, I'm mostly a vegetarian anyway, but for some reason I was like, oh, I was craving meat, you know, the week before. And that was really hard. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, mostly just like salads and lots of like uh, clean juices the week before. And then I actually felt so good going into it that I kept that up for a week after. And they tell you that that's, that's also recommended. So like day before, what did you eat the day, like, or like day of going in, did you eat anything? So day of water until noon. And this is what I was told from a friend who was the most experienced, uh, water until noon and then nothing. And then nothing from and the ceremony starts at 9 PM or this one did. And so nothing from noon to nine, they seemed a little more accepting of things like tea, especially on the second night. The first night, I think it's better to just be nothing. And then uh, they said, oh, tea's okay. But I did see on one of the lists, it was like avoid hot beverages. Oh, interesting. In the immediate, right, right before it. So had you done mushrooms ever or anything like that? Have you done any other psychedelics before ayahuasca? It's funny you say that. It was so minor, my experience. Like I had done it I had done mushrooms a few times, like once in tea when I was in college. I went, uh, you know, camping once and we had a, you know, an insignificant amount for me at least, where I was, it did not affect me. And then all of a sudden I looked up at the stars and I was like, oh, that's the best show we're not watching. <laughs> um, and so like that, after, after that, uh, I had been thinking about it, but I hadn't implemented it. And then after ayahuasca, I sort of got the bug and about a month later, maybe two months later, I was sort of going down the Terrence McKenna route and taking five to seven gram doses of mushrooms. That's a like what they call a hero dose. Um, that's like microdosing is known to be good for you. Hero dosing, there's a lot less science on, but that's like where you start to get the real hallucinations. And I found the situations very similar in certain ways, but extremely different. They're different substances. They act in different ways. They're used for different purposes. So I can't really compare them other than during, I will say this, during one of the uh, mushroom trips afterwards, I was taken back to the ayahuasca experience. Like I was in that room again. I didn't go out of space. I didn't see any aliens. I didn't uh, see fractals or any weird shit. I was taken back to that space and time for a few minutes. And it was very strange. Interesting. Okay. I want to put a pin in that because I want to come back to that. Okay. So, but let's get into, so your first day, like walk me through, where do you go? What's the, I want to play by play. Because of everything that I heard, I just assumed we were going to go out to the middle of nowhere and camp and light a fire and sit around a campfire and do this out in the wilderness. And that was the farthest from the truth. Like we were in a house 
a very comfortable house, almost like a spa situation. There were wind chimes. It was very comfortable, beautiful place, uh, beautiful, gorgeous view, uh, very comfortable. So it was nothing, you're not roughing it during this time. They want to make you as comfortable as possible. There's bathrooms, showers, you know, the whole deal. Oh, nice. Um, and then there's this one main, at least in this space, uh, they have one sort of main room where everyone gathers. And there's three, there's like a shaman, the a musician, they're all musicians, but there's three people. And one is a shaman, one is sort of the leader, and then the other is mainly the musician, but they all play. And it's like, it's, the music is, is so incredible, I can't even tell you. Uh, I wish that I came out being like, I wish they had a CD, like, why don't they have a CD? And I guess they had, they've talked about it and they've tried, but I mean, to be honest, it's worth going just for the, that concert experience. Is the music that good or is it, are you that high? See, that's a really good, that's a really good question. And I can answer that. I can answer that because, so there's two nights, or at least what I did was two nights. So I went on a Friday at nine o'clock, we drink the first cup and they give you, it's like a little bit bigger than a thimble. It's not much, but it's very viscous. It's very thick. Like you got to use your finger to scoop it out. Um, which isn't great, and it doesn't taste good. It's not a pleasant Ugh. thing. Yeah, it's it's not good, especially after fasting. That's not what you want. Um, but <laughs> it's you know it's the experience. So you take that and you sit for about forty five minutes in the dark, and everyone's meditating, and then all of a sudden they start to play, and it starts. You start to feel the effects at the same time, and so that's a very gradual uh, intro to it, and that lasts for. The whole thing lasts about five or six hours. Uh, and it's like, so there's the first three hours and then they you have an option for a second cup or like half a cup going into the second. Um, so the first night, it didn't affect me right away. Like you can tell when it affects someone. Like you, you know, <laughs> immediately for the most part. Did you see it affect other people around you? Because it's not affecting you. So are you like watching a show of other people like losing their minds? Yes and no, because you start to feel things. But after you take it, I did not want to have my eyes open for much of that time. Like it was much better. Ah. It was a totally different experience. Eyes closed. Eyes open. You get some nausea. Like it's it's like you're almost trying to do two, watch two things, two realities at once. Oh yeah. So it's very difficult. But I'll get into, so the first thing after drinking it, like we get into it, start playing the music and I'm looking around, I'm like, okay, okay. Um, when's it gonna kick in? And then all of a sudden I hear just projectile vomiting on the other side of the room and then over here and then over here and then over here. And this person <laughs> no! starts laughing hysterically. This person starts crying and this person is like, starts doing, you know, like, uh, you know, like prayers in there, in there, you know, like all sorts of weird shit. People get up and dance in the middle of it, but it, it, it all sort of comes on differently for everybody. So for me, it came on slow. And I, I've some people I've talked to that's just, it might just be biological. Some people it just comes on slower. So I was looking around like, what is, what's going on? Everyone seems to be in a different space. And then all of a sudden it hit uh, like a wave. And uh, the way, best way I can describe it is that it's like, um, it's just immense gratitude. So think about a time in your life where something happened, where you've been planning on it for a long time and it, it actually, everything went right and you were so pleased or like someone did something for you unexpected and it was the nicest gesture that you'd ever experienced. And you're like, oh my God, there is humanity. Take that <laughs> and amplify it by, you know, 
whatever. And it's that kind of feeling that washes over you, just so thankful. And then that sort of dissipates into like a blissful, just a blissful feeling. And you're listening to the music. And so, yes, definitely that is, that's helping. But I will say the next night, it did not affect me at all. Uh, Or it did in a very different way. Like the first cup, no effect. So I was listening. I thought like after I drank it, and people are freaking out. And now it's like two hours in, three hours in. And I'm thinking, I could have had a glass of milk. You know, nothing happened. Really? Could you keep your eyes open that day? Yes, it was easier to do that that day. But you asked about the music specifically. So the answer to that is on the second night when it didn't affect me, at least the first cup, um, I was able to just appreciate the music for what it was. And I can tell you that it has nothing to do with the fact that you're fucked up. That helps the experience because you start to like almost visualize the audio. That's the best way I can describe it. Oh, I love that. I think you feel every time you listen to music, you feel it in your body, but this is different. You're almost visualizing what you're feeling in a way, mm. but it's not, this is, you know, it's not a kaleidoscope. At least it wasn't for me. For some people, I think they have vastly different experiences based on what we spoke about. But um, for me, at least it was not mostly visual. It was mostly like feeling the audio for the first time in life, which is very strange. So just jumping in to let y'all know that there is a fancy term for what Alex is describing and it's synesthesia. And it means when you experience one of your senses through another. So like you taste colors or you see smells. And this is actually a common thing on psychedelics. And then all of a sudden that sort of pushed into you know when you're a kid and you have those um, kaleidoscope things, you put put something in the top and then you look at it and you're like, mm-hmm. click, and it and it just shifts the image, almost like that, like it's scanning your brain or like you're scanning a computer hard drive, and like it feels like something is going through every folder in your brain, and just checking what's in there. The DMT is. Yeah, like you'll be aware of what folders open, and it'll show something to you, and so there was someone else in the group that had just had a kid, and one of his intentions and i'll go back to intentions later yeah, but one of the intentions, intentions was like he wanted like he said this was his secret intention because at first you go around the room and everyone says what their intentions are and he kept this from the group and afterwards you talk about your experience and he said that he had kept one experience from the group and that was because he just had a kid and was concerned and he asked it he asked ayahuasca to show him his worst fear and he said he saw his kid dead and he cried and cried and cried and cried. And the next day he said he felt like something had been lifted because he had already experienced that and wasn't afraid of it anymore. So that's just one example of very specific, but like to get back to intention, before the ceremony starts, they go around the group and they ask everybody, first of all, you all were white like this. Is this shirt I wore? Um, you're they wearing ask a white button-down. Describe what you're wearing. I'm wearing a white linen button-down shirt. It's very comfortable. I did not have any white pants at the time, so I ended up wearing just jeans. Horrible decision. Very uncomfortable. Don't do that. Um, wear sweats. Doesn't matter if they're black, white. Just wear white wherever you can. If you can do all white, great. If you can't, wear something comfortable. The second night, I ended up switching to shorts because it's more uh. comfortable. And you're all in this room and you lay out, they lay out mats. It's not a comfortable situation. Um, you need something more than a yoga mat. And you need something like thick to lay on. 
uh, yoga mat's not going to do it. I learned that the hard way. But wait, but do I need to bring that or they provide that mat? No, you should bring it. They might have something for someone. You know, one of the 15, 20 people might have an extra or there might be one sitting around, but don't count on it. Okay. So I brought a, a yoga mat and then a sleeping bag and a pillow, and that was insufficient. So I would recommend something thicker than a yoga mat. They provide the like a backrest, but you want a pillow for that backrest. And then I would recommend a blanket as well. Oh, shit. Good tip. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So describe the whole pre... We were talking a little bit about intentions, but describe that whole like pre-ceremony. So you're getting in, you're setting up, and then the going around and saying your intentions, and then what were your intentions? Yeah, so everyone gathers, and a fun thing is, so I was um, I was worried about it was start it was starting to get dark earlier, and it was a little bit further from my house, and so I was worried about losing service, or I wasn't familiar with the area that I was going to, so I got there early. I just used which which is not common for me, <laughs> but I just did. That. I got there early anyway, so I was one of the first ones there, and as people started arriving. I had this weird feeling. I was like, man, you all look so familiar. Mm. And I thought, and, and that feeling, I was like, okay, all right. And I'll, I'll see the next people that come in. And they also felt familiar. And everyone I had this just overwhelming feeling. And I, I didn't express it to anybody. But on the last day, one of the guys who was there, it was also his first time, he said the same thing. He's like, I don't know where this came from, but I feel like I've, I know you all. And that was even before we did the ceremony, like we walked in the room and I felt like we had known each other before. So that seems to be a reoccurring factor. Oh, weird. And I'm not sure if that, if the medicine precipitates that and it just works backwards or there really is something weird with space and time going on and we have met each other. I don't know, but the feeling was pretty distinct. Interesting. Okay. So so you're doing the pre-ceremony. What was your intention the first night and how much had you thought about that? Or Because going into it, I've read a few things and they're like, sometimes, you know, if you don't know exactly the first time, it's like, show me who I've become or like, show me what I'm scared of or show me, you know, did you have a specific thing like that going in? So intention is a big thing. I did not know beforehand that that was a prerequisite or something to think about. I probably should have. That's good in life just to have intention. But um, <laughs> I did not know that, that, that we were going to have this circle until it happened. And um, we can get into my intention, but I think it's they spoke about what happens if you don't have an intention. And this is a very strange subject because I've talked to a lot of people who think the intention is completely useless and doesn't do anything. I think it serves to focus you maybe uh -huh. and just like make sure you're like you did all this work you fasted you you know you cut all this stuff you got to this place keep on the same mindset that this is not recreation and i think having an intention helps that so when they went around the room there were a lot of show me something i i want clarity mm -hmm. um i want to be free from this or free from fear like my intention was more based on substances i was like i i need to get my alcohol use in check. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I've heard it's very good for that. I've read that too. And also very relatable. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Fasting sort of reset me in that way. But otherwise I was hoping ayahuasca would do that. But yeah. I will say that 
I'm going to jump and I'm going to come back to intention after I learned TM for the first time and after ayahuasca for the first time were the longest I went without drinking both times immediately after. Like, I didn't in- enter my mind. Like uh-huh. it just wasn't there. So I know it's, I know it can work. I don't know why it doesn't last. I think that's a more personal thing. Uh-huh. But I do know that it, it does reset something. So um, you can feel it. But uh, getting back to intention, so a lot of different intentions around the room, and they say that the intention sort of informs the songs that are being played. And like they have a repertoire of songs that they're going to play. So it's not like they're going to replace the entire thing if someone has a certain intention. But I think they dial it in based on what the mood of the room is. And so they say that if everyone's intention in the room is like, yeah, let's see what this is. Like, yeah, let's just have a have a psychedelic experience. It's not going to go well. It's going to be chaotic oh, and all over the place. But if you have an intention and you have something that you want to see for yourself, then everyone can sort of have this communal and yet private experience. And then it sort of dials back in by the end of it. And there is an element of not mind reading, but there's an element where you're sitting there. And I've, I've talked to multiple people about this, about what they think it is. And you sort of get on the same wavelength because the music is playing the whole time. That is your rhythm. That is the rhythm of the entire room. And so you start having thoughts, but you don't know if your thoughts are coming from you or coming from the music, but you have the, you have, at least I had the, it felt like the music was responding to my thoughts and other people in the room. And I think it's vice versa. I think the music is dictating what it is and people are responding to that emotionally and the, and the medicine allows you to do that. But that's another really important aspect of it. It's like, it's not the medicine. Like you're mostly going there. It's the vibration of the music in conjunction with the medicine uh-huh. that allows it to do its work. And that's pretty consistent from what I've heard. So again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a shaman. I'm just a guy who went and did a thing. <laughs> so that's my experience. <laughs> but set and setting, I've heard set and setting are like important and you felt like it was important to your experience as well. I think set and setting is absolutely key. It's important to feel safe. Like we had, there was a guide. Like, so they have the the three people, the three musicians, and there's one person whose job it is just to be a guide. And he makes sure that people are getting up, if they have to purge, go to the bathroom, if they Mm -hmm. need some air, whatever. He's there to make sure they don't fall down. He's there to guide them. Like I, I never felt so safe in my life. It was like a very wonderful place. Like they have your back. Good. That was one of my concerns. I was like, am I gonna feel safe? Am I gonna feel like I, you know, I was gonna ask you about this and I was also like, does Wade need to drive me there and sit outside? <laughs> like, you know, but you're saying you felt totally safe. They have it pretty dialed in and I talked to them about it and they said it took them a while to get to this place where they got it so dialed in. But yeah, just great people. Everyone involved, everyone who was there was just a wonderful person. And then this isn't drugs talking. It's just, they were very nice people who wanted to have this experience. And then the people running it were just stand up people, wonderful musicians, and they really have your best interest at heart. So they're, they're looking out for you. They're making, like no incident happened. Like I saw the dudes like, if you get up and you stumble, he's on you in a second and making sure that you can walk and, and get you to the bathroom. So that gets us into purging. Yeah. And the purging is <laughs> the least, uh, the least, maybe not least talked about, but. 
I've heard a lot about freaking purging, but is it worse than they say? Am I unprepared? <laughs> no one likes to throw up, right? No. I don't like to throw up. It's one of my least favorite experiences in the world. So no, it's not good, but you do this. And look, I, I was talking to a friend after this and I was like, I'm, I'm, or, or before I went, and I was like, I'm about to go do this ayahuasca thing. And she goes, oh, I used to be bulimic. I could never do that. <laughs> and I was like, wait, but one, you're prepared for it. Like it should be way easier for you. And two, unrelated, <laughs> completely unrelated. <laughs> it would probably help you sort that out. So throwing that out there. Okay. Anyway, you get there and every you sit around the room and they give everyone a bucket. Okay. So you get a bucket and you're going to use it probably not every time. Some people do, some people don't. It depends on your body and how it reacts and whatnot. So it's coming out one side or the other. Oh, God. And for me, I purged the first time, first cup of the night. I did not. That was the only time I purged in, so I guess, two nights, four cups. Uh, and the only time I purged was cup one. So what was, like, how much? Because you'd been fasting, so it couldn't have been that bad, right? Oh, yeah. There wasn't much to come out. It was just a little bit of sludge. It's basically what I put in came out. Oh. Um, and then I spilled that all over my pillow by accident and then end up sleeping in it and it was disgusting and that smell for the rest of my life will haunt me um so <laughs> it's not all roses you know like everyone's throwing up around the room at some point people get up and they start dancing and just like having a grand old time there's people that that just start there'll people that they'll just shout things out because it feels right and it's funny, everyone laughs, you know, it's like things come to you and you release and it's an opportunity to feel comfortable releasing all those things. Uh-huh. Um, so it's different for everyone. Like in those two nights, I know that everyone had different experience because the guy next to me uh, had a huge tolerance and he had not, no experience. And the people on the other side of me were like Harry Carey all over the room. So I know it's different for everybody. I think it depends how you prepare for it. But like from from people who have way more experience, it's different from what they've told me. It's different every single time. Mm -hmm. So you can't pinpoint it. Did you shit? If you want to know if I shit. Yes. I can go into that. Please do. Okay. And also I have a fear like, am I going to shit myself in this? Like, do oh. I need to bring backup clothes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I had that fear too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm down. I'm willing to <laughs> do yeah. it anyway, but... Look. I'll say this. If you did in that space, no one would judge you and you would be supported. <laughs> but, but I'm saying it won't happen. It's okay. not going to happen. You don't need to wear, like, that was my concern too. You don't need to wear a diaper. Like, you have plenty of time to get to a very comfortable bathroom with the bidet. Like, don't worry about it. And it never occurred. Like, I did not have, it, it only came out one way the first night and never again. But that does bring up another point. Some people, like there are people going to the bathroom all night long. So everyone's different and it may, it affects everyone differently. But the second day they give you uh, an opportunity to do kombu. I think I was saying it right. Kombu, kombu. Is that the tobacco? Um, which is a frog venom. Oh, shit. No, that I didn't do because I have, I have terrible sinuses, so I can't do that. Um, and I, I know that about myself. I don't think I'm going to do tobacco either. Yeah. They blow it up. It's not, I don't like, I don't like. I don't want dust to come out my nose. But they do do this other thing, which is frog venom. It affects your nervous system. It's like a deep cleanse for your nervous system, from what I understand about it. And they burn it into you. 
So this is something you'd be interested in. But they take a stick, basically. They light the end of it on fire. They blow it out. They burn a little hole. You can have it here. You can have it on your chest. You can have it on your back. Have it wherever the hell you want. I had mine on my arm, so I've got five dots on my arm right now. They're healing. Uh, but basically, they take a stick, and then they take the frog venom. You can get this information anywhere in Google. It's very easy to find. But then they take the frog venom, and they put it on the scar that they've just made. And what's supposed to happen, and I forgot this, is before this process, before they burn you, you drink a liter and a half of water, which is a lot of water, in a half uh -huh. an hour. So they make you they make you chug it, and then you take the venom, and then you have to chug another half, and then you supposedly, and I saw it happen, you just start booting. And it looks like the most awful thing you can experience as a human being. And so I watched, I was last in line, and I watched four other people do this. And they all just puked everywhere. They filled up two jugs. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is this and this sounds. And they were just like on the ground shaking. They're like, do me next. Do me next. <laughs> no, I was not thinking that. I was like, what did I, I, like, what did I sign up for? This sounds awful. But I saw like the purge aspect is real. When you purge, that's shit that's not supposed to be in your body, that you're getting out of your body and you will feel better afterwards, even if it's a bad experience coming up. Anyway, so uh, it's my turn. And everyone else, I'll say, everyone else in line took two dots. Okay, two, I don't think anyone got three. Two dots, they vomited all over the place, they were fine. Comes to me, tell him where I want it. He's like, okay, two dots on the arm, great. I've, I've had all the water, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I start to feel a little, little queasy, I start shaking, I'm on the ground, I'm like, oh, nothing's coming up. Nothing's coming up, I'm not vomiting anything. So he's like, maybe you need one more dot. I'm like, okay, puts on dot number three. Same thing. I'm more shaking more. Nothing's coming up. Dot four, dot five, got five dots. Got a lot of frog venom on me. Nothing came up. Nothing. But because you asked about shit, uh, he was like, he looked at me and he's like, dude, you have a, a crazy constitution. I don't know how, I've never seen this before. Um, but it'll affect you one way or the other and come out at some point. So just expect this. Just be aware. It's going to come out. And I was like, oh, fuck. So <laughs> I go home and I will give you, I can give you three experiences, maybe four experiences, how it affected me in times that I wasn't, I didn't want it. A week later, I went hiking at seven in the morning. <laughs> the moment I got on the mountain, the moment I stood on the mountain, it was like, lava. you got to <laughs> figure something out. It's coming now. And so that was a thing. Like I had to dive into the bushes and just like, oh my god, you couldn't even make it down the hill. No, 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 no. And I was thirty <laughs> minutes from home. I went hiking in Malibu. You know, like uh, it's just whoosh, out, out, like an animal, like a savage creature out in the wilderness. Um, and then I was like, oh, I hope that doesn't happen again. I guess that's that's the residuals. And that was a weekend. And then it really did affect my biome and my my shits for the next like few months. I shit differently, um, and I'm still shitting differently. Like what? Dramatically? <laughs> not 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 dramatically in public anymore. Uh, and I was glad that there was I was there so early that there was no one else on the mountain, <laughs> so I could just do my business and then run away and be like, oh yeah, some raccoon back there. I don't know. It was weird. Um, <laughs> the whole rest of the day, they're like, oh my God, was that sick yeah. raccoon? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It was bad. So I, it did affect the whole biome. I know it affected that. And they say that you keep things in your intestines that it just flushed me the fuck out. So I think it's great in that respect. Yeah, that's a good benefit. Yeah. Cokes, can you believe it's 2022? I mean, what is happening? I know. But the good thing is, is it is a time for new beginnings and it's probably time that you bring that attitude to the bedroom. Especially because Valentine's Day is coming up. Ooh, yeah, I'm ready to start fresh in the bedroom. The Valentine Couples Box is a one-stop shop for all your sexy Valentine's Day essentials. Don't waste hours researching lubes, vibrators, and accessories. Just grab a Valentine Couples Box and you will be all set for a spectacular night. She's not kidding because the box has everything. I mean, literally everything. You can paint each other with edible chocolate CBD body paint and have each other for desserts. Yum. If you are a fan of nipple play like your girl here, you can make each other's night with a fun feather tickler or sex kitten nipple bells, which I love. They're adjustable and you just don't really get nipple clamps in boxes very often because they don't think freaky people are out there, I guess. I don't know. Well, we're out here and those nipple bells are so dope, super hot, and you can even enhance your sex with some vibration. The couple's box comes with a beautiful heart-shaped vibrator and your choice of a dual arousal cock ring or a red rose anal plug and you know your girls love anal plugs. (laughs) Yeah, we do. But I do want to highlight the heart-shaped vibrator because it's from Zalo and that's one of our favorite sex toy companies. It's really, really nice and beautifully detailed, like 24 karat gold details. Like they're not fucking around in a lot of vibration patterns and it is pretty strong. It's like a really great little hideaway vibrator. Plus, like a kitten has you covered when it comes to lube. Y'all are gonna be slip sliding around the bedroom because you can choose from their pure four pack lube essentials kit or Bliss Anal Glide Lube. Ooh, sexy. It's really a great box to break those habits that have gotten stale in the bedroom. Plus, it comes with two erotic games, which are really fun to inspire you to play in different ways. One is a box of sex position cards and includes Mm. such hits as Tuck and Grind, Sea Turtle, (laughs) Upside Down Cake, Tightened Embrace, and The Figurehead. If you need me, I'll be doing the sea turtle for the next 200 years. (laughs) Like a Kitten's mission is to help women own their power in all areas of life. A portion of all sales goes to charities that focus on women's empowerment, education, and health. So you can feel good about feeling good. I love a good mission. And right now, Like a Kitten is offering our listeners 20% off and free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com slash private or enter code private at checkout. Surprise your partner with an amazing Valentine couples box. Just go to likeakitten.com slash private or use code private to get 20% off. Likeakitten.com slash private. The link is in this episode's description. Okay, so mentally afterwards, because mm. you did find out you have a very high tolerance, as you just said. So yeah. immediately after, were you like, oh, this was worth it, and I do feel a difference? And then what were your mental effects, you know, now, four months in or whatever? 
Um, okay, so I'll give you three points. I guess the first night, after the first experience, you wake up and I felt wonderful. After the first experience, blissful. I was like, oh my God, I see what this is. Yes, this is this is beautiful. This is God's work. This is cleansing. Like I mm-hmm. understand all of this. Okay, and then I was like, all right, I'm ready for round two. Okay, and so we did the next night. And as I said, the next night, for whatever reason, didn't affect me and it felt like milk. And I didn't want to feel this way, but I did. I was getting pissed off because this shit isn't cheap. You know, someone asked the question in their intention. They were like, what if you fall asleep? What if you take it and fall asleep? And and one of the guy goes, well, it's a really expensive nap, man. (laughs) Like, I don't think you need to worry about that. And uh, it's true, like you're not gonna fall asleep and if you do, it's what your body needs and don't fight it. Uh-huh. So first night, wonderful. First night, wonderful. Second night, it didn't have an effect. So I was like, what's going on here? I'm just, I mean, the music is great, I'm loving it, but I came here for this experience and like I'm not having it. Mm-hmm. And then I have the second cup and they give you an opportunity for cup three. I only think only two people took it. And I should have, in my head, I was like, oh, take the other cup. What are you doing? Like, you know, it's not working mm-hmm. for you. Take the other cup. And I didn't. They say drink, don't think. That's how I live my life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the problem. It's part, part of what I'm trying to fix, Courtney. <laughs> we don't need to exacerbate that problem. Just with ayahuasca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for whatever reason, the second night, I was very much more in my head uh, in a bad way like mm-hmm. I was like oh it's not a fit why isn't it working why isn't it working is it me and yeah I don't know if I was in the right place for it and I don't I can't explain it all I know is the whole experience as a whole worth it and people I've talked to who've done it a lot say sometimes it just doesn't affect you I don't know if that's like because of how the the brew is like in the in the bowl and like mm-hmm. you, you just didn't get enough of it or it's your body. I don't know what's going on biologically, but sometimes it just doesn't have an effect. Does it have an after effect? So you're saying like it didn't you felt like it didn't affect you in the moment, but does it later now? Or are you like, oh, I see. I think the second night came on at the very end, like the last hour in interesting ways that I still don't really understand how to process. But yes, the residuals do come it's just like certain relationships where maybe you had a little bit of animosity, you know, just in the background, even if you're not like, you don't think you don't like this person, even it's just like in your interactions, you had a little bit of that uh-huh. gone. Interesting. That's good. Like there's something I can't pinpoint where it came from. All I know is that like certain relationships, it helped immediately without intention, without anything. It just like cleaned up whatever was rummaging around in the back of my head that was like, I don't know what I was upset about, but got rid of that. So, and I I think it's, it works along the same lines as meditation and that it just like fixes your nervous system, cools you down, lets you take extra time to assess something, um, just gives you a little bit more of that extra time and really it's just about like approaching things with love and not not animosity and hate and it's it's really cliche and stupid to say like I, I don't know how to explain it other than that but that's what it is yeah I've heard that it's the medicine is love yeah the medicine is love and that's what you feel like you feel like you are in a blank a blanket of love and that's what it's telling you it's like love more and you come out and like that seeps in over the next however time and then slowly you realize places in your life where it did seep in. You're like, oh my God. Yeah. 
this previously might have been um, a fight or this might have been some kind of altercation, but now it's just chill. So uh, that I noticed immediately um, and I found mushrooms to be very helpful with that as well. Um, but again, very different substance, different experience. Okay, we're gonna have to do a whole separate session about mushrooms because this is like a psychedelics mm. uh, series. But like, okay, I'm doing this a week from now. What advice would you give me based on whatever you learned from your first time that went right or that you wish would have gone another way? The first thing I would recommend is just being prepared for it. This is not, you're not going on a ski vacation. Treat it like you're going to a church. And like, uh -huh. I'm not a religious person, but treat it like you're going to a place of worship. And so you want to prepare yourself, your body, your mind to experience this new sensation and this new information, all of this new stuff. And you want to have a, a clean palate for that. And so I would say that's really important. Um, a change I would have made is I would have fasted a little bit longer and better going into it. So I ate between session one and session two because they told me to. They were like, oh, this takes a lot out of you. You should eat. I knew it. I, it felt like a cheat as I was doing it. I drove to Erewhon and I got some kind of <laughs> some tasty stuff. And I and as I was eating, I was like, I'm cheating. Like it, it just feels wrong. And so like, you know, when you're there, what's right for you and what's not. And if it doesn't feel like a cheat for you, if you're like, I need this nutrition, eat the nutrition. Mm -hmm. But I didn't and I did it anyway. And so that was wrong. The other biggest thing, be comfortable. So white clothes, comfortable white clothes, jammies, something to sit on. Like they have a lot of these like Afghan um, blankets, beds. I don't know what they are. They're in three pieces. You know, oh. like you sort of fold them up. Like a chaise lounge? Yeah, like a chaise lounge, but they fold up and you can take them with you. So like that's really what you want in this sort of situation. And the people know had those and so like i'm there struggling on my yoga mat that's like you know a eighth of an inch and so they they saw they saw that and they were like that's not the, the person next to me was like she's like you that's not gonna be enough you gotta ask them for something else so that's a big thing going in just being comfortable and giving yourself a space for that and then just being open you know to what it has to offer it's going to be different like you may ask for something and get something extremely different in return and that I've heard over and over and over again. So you may go in there with an intention. It's not going to listen. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Everyone in the room had an intention. Irrelevant. That's there for you to focus on yourself. That's not there for ayahuasca to give a shit about your intention. So I think it's more about the connection you can make with it. Ayahuasca is like life in general. <laughs> it's like, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think the people that are more monkish in general that strive for that overall can access that easier can can dial in the intention a little bit easier than normal people who don't have access to that part of their brains <laughs> have you been drinking less yes and no as i said like afterwards yeah i took a i took a week off didn't crave it at all um and then all of a sudden it was like oh yeah just just, it'll be casual, no worries, it'll be casual. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I had a drink. And then it spiraled and spiraled and spiraled. And recently, it's, so no, the pro the problem has not solved itself. Like, I need to do the work of solving the problem. I, I, I thought, I think this is an, a misconception, is like you can go into some of these things thinking that they're going to solve it for you. Right. Like you're going to have, 
you know, you read some things and you're like, oh, these things help with depression. They help with alcoholism. They help with whatever you're going through. And they do, but not that way. Not if you don't do the work. So I think it sets the ground rules, but... There's some aftercare follow-up you got to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a, It's not a gauntlet. So I would say that's a huge thing. Have your intention. Know that it will help you in ways that you don't understand, but it may not meet your current intention because that may not be the most important thing that you need. Ooh, curiosity officially peaked. I loved Alex's interview. And I think it's also really cool because he's really open and honest at the top being like, I'm not a drug guy. Yes, you know? I love that too. Because he's different from us. Like we are drug people. <laughs> <laughs> it's different to have someone be like, I was actually really nervous and I'm not a drug person. It's not my thing. And I did all this research and I was really careful. And now he's just so intentional about the way he's looking at life and changing it. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. And he's also been on kind of a journey with his TM and finding that vibration for himself, like however he can get to that next level of kind of enlightenment. You know what I mean? So yeah, kind of cool to see the different paths his journey is taking him down. I love that for him. I do too. Actually, okay, so Alex is coming back, but there is one thing that he texted me about that he wished he would have mentioned. And that is the importance of like your shadow during a ceremony. And like, that's the part of yourself that is maybe the dark part or the part that you don't want to see or like the part that you're not the proudest of. Yeah, what you don't like about yourself. What you don't like about yourself. And sometimes that appears and was a big part of his experience. So during our next conversation, we're definitely going to dive deeper into that. I'm so excited to hear about his shadow self. That is fascinating. Right? (laughs) I feel like we just keep needing to have our friends on just to be like, okay, tell me what's inside that fucked up little brain of yours. Well, our friends are pretty amazing, so I'm not mad at that. No, I love it. I'm like, show me. We're just a real fun little pack of weirdos. (laughs) Oh, and another thing that I thought was really important that Alex said that was really different from what you experienced was for him, he's like, well, the intention, you said it, but like ayahuasca is going to tell you what's going to happen. So the intention's just there in the background, but like it did, you know, some whatever's going to get addressed, you're not going to be able to control. Exactly. Though I will say, you know, if you do keep coming back around to your intention, in my experience, you will get some sort of message on that, but you're probably going to get a lot of other messages that you needed to hear as well. And like you said, everyone's different. Yes. He, he was, I think, looking at the intention as like a compass in case like you get lost. Mm-hmm. I think it's that. It is that. It's like, oh, yeah, just remember that it's there. But I don't think he was, like, trying to use it very much. Oh, no, he was. He's trying to get over an addiction. I mean, there was somebody there at my ceremony who healed or recovered from his PTSD. But, I mean, it was like a whole process over two and a half years and 30 ceremonies. And obviously there's something, like, small in particular he was working on each time. So... You know, I think the experiences can kind of grow on each other as well. And everyone's really different. Again, everyone's super, super different. So next episode, you're going to hear my experience. 
It was really fun to interview Cokes about this. Wasn't it? And to just like see the stars in her eyes. And I really do think she started to change. Like I can feel it. Yeah, it's only been like a week, but I do feel different. Courtney, you're warmer. <laughs> I know, I am. And I've told you that before that I'm like, I, I always joke around. I'm like, oh, she's got a little icicle for a heart. She's ah. just hard. It's hard for her to let people in. She's incredibly loyal and wonderful, but she also doesn't it's express. It's not an icicle. It's surrounded by an icicle. Exactly. Inside is very warm. And then also you are not like that expressive with how you're feeling, which makes people, I think, think that you're not feeling as much. So now I think you're warmer and you're like, I'm going to be more expressive. Well, also sometimes, yeah, I like just channel that into my work too and don't save any for... <laughs> for people. <laughs> for, yeah, <laughs> for the real stuff. But turns out actually life before work. Who knew? That's crazy. How many <laughs> ayahuasca trips do you think you're going to have to do to learn that? <laughs> really just took two. Um <laughs> Privates, I am so excited to take you on this trip. You know what I might do too? I took some, Soph interviewed me, which was amazing. And I also did a few audio diaries for myself. I might share a couple of snippets. I was going to say, yeah, the voice <laughs> notes must be amazing from that. If you're lucky, you might hear some. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. I'm so excited. Hey, Sophia, what's that bomb-ass music? This music is by our bomb-ass friend, Amy Rosh. You should check out her website where you can get more of her music. It's amyraasch.com. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio. We love you, oh my Mike. God. I'm gonna the buy you a pony. And it is for you. We're gonna write it. You're gonna be in the back. <laughs> you know who might go on a ceremony with me? Who? Mike. <laughs> really? <laughs> He's thinking about it. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely want to do it. How dope would it be to take Mike with us to Peru? Hell yeah. He could like record us when we're not expecting. <laughs> I love Mike and I love his energy. He has really great energy. And privates, I don't know if you've seen the Mind Trip artwork, but take a look at it right now because it is in fuego. It's trippy as fuck, brah. It's awesome. And it is by Giselle Bates. You can find her on Instagram at Giselle Bates. It's G-I-S-S-E-L-E -S Bates. She's fucking amazing. Her art is just so bomb. I will be employing her a lot. <laughs> <laughs> And make sure you follow along because we are going to have the mind trip all over our social media. We're going to have some resources on there and some just really cool graphics. So make sure you check out Private Parts Unknown on Instagram and Facebook and Private Parts Un on Twitter. And you can find us separately also on social media. What? I know. It's crazy we don't exist <laughs> just in one realm together all the time. But you can find me, Sophia Alexandra, on Twitter and Instagram at the Sophia S-O-F-I-Y-A. And I am Courtney Kosak. You can find me on the social meds at Courtney Kosak, K-O-C-A-K. Hey, you can give us some love. 
If you felt the love on this ayahuasca episode, you can transfer some of that to us. And all you have to do is go to ratethispodcast.com slash private. So easy to remember. Just ratethispodcast.com slash private. Actually, just do it right now. Just type in ratethispodcast.com slash private. Give us five stars and like some really sweet words. It means so much to us. And we're obviously really passionate about bringing you these really cool series. It's all we have. <laughs> one time, one time, Allison Raskin and the first season of this show when it was Reality Bites shaded me so hard by saying the show is all I had. And I honestly am good with that. <laughs> <laughs> I love this show. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> so... Sending you love, Allison, wherever you are. (laughs) All right, privates. So stay tuned. We are going to be back with more Mind Trip. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.